Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at sixsecondstories.com. What's up, storytellers, and welcome back to the Storytelling Lab. I am your host, Rain Bennett, and this is episode, oh, oh, what episode was it again? I know, 100. Yes, folks, we did it. Episode 100. I've been beefing it up all season. This is a bonus episode that we do every season. The top tips, the top storytelling tips of season six. And it's also our 100th. That's such a hard word to say. Our 100th episode. When I started this show in 2018, I never... I never thought I'd see this moment. It was so far off in the distance, on the horizon. It seemed unreachable. But here we are. And we're here because of you. We're here because of the listeners. We're here because of the awesome guests. We're here a little bit because of me, 
but mostly because of you. Now, I've, I've noticed that on the stop, the stop, the top storytelling tips of season four and five, I keep kind of saying the same thing. This is the biggest season that we've had yet. And that was true. And season six is a big one as well. But I think I'm selling myself short because they're all going to be big seasons from now on. We're getting amazing guests. The storytellers that we have, the storytelling experts that we have are leading thought leaders, although that you know that term is kind of, uh, yeah. But they're leading experts in the storytelling space, their specific storytelling spaces across the world. These people are legit, and I have them here on the show, and we become best friends, and we go off and we have coffees together and... And actually just as really like zooms and we tweet back and forth and things like that. But we're all best friends now. And that's the that's that's the takeaway. That that's what I want you to know. Um but the show the show is really grooving now. I really feel at home with the format. I really love the stuff that we're talking about. And while yes, each season we seem to get bigger and better guest, it it's it's more that the mission and the purpose of the show is becoming clearer. We're getting better guests, not because they're bigger, quote-unquote, but because they're more aligned with what we're trying to accomplish on a smaller, like, seasonal scale and on an overall macro scale for the show. What do we say? Break down the art and science of storytelling. We're trying to help you leverage the power of stories to create the lives and the businesses and achieve the missions that you set out in in your life. That's what we're here for. Now this season in particular, we were really focused on you. You being the author of your own story, crafting the life, building the business that only you can have based off of your unique intersections, your unique story. Plenty of people out there have your skills, and a lot of them are more skilled than you are. So trying to just compete in that rat race is is going to, you know, we say rat race and then we say hamster wheel, like almost in the same sentence. It's going to feel like that hamster wheel where you're just running and running and running and running. Plenty of people have your skills, but no one, no one in the world has your story. And so if you really understand how to carve out a lane, a path, a road with that story, my friends, you will not have competition. You will build a life and a business that only you can have. It's based off of you. It's an extension of you. That's what we're trying to do when we try to uncover your story and and be the author of your own story moving forward. Build your own life. Create your own path. That's what we're trying to do. That's what I've done. And I had mentors and coaches that helped me along the way. And so I try to pay it forward by helping people do the same. Now, this concept has been so top of mind with me over the past year that I'm doing speeches about it now. I've been coaching, you know, when coronavirus hit and I stopped doing live speaking gigs, I started doing online coaching. Some of you out there listening have been clients of mine or maybe thought about it, and in which case you should hit me up. We should talk about it. Um, and, we, and, and I've helped plenty of people do the same thing to build a brand, a personal brand or their business based off of their unique story and their unique intersections. It's the same process that I went through in 2017 so that every project you work on, everything you build is spawned off of you and your unique story as that core center piece. And now I even created my first online course just this year in 2021 called Uncover the Story to launch your personal brand. Because even if you have a business, even if you're the head of a small nonprofit, 
your personal brand is still going to go hand in hand with that because this is built off of you. This business is an extension of you. If you're a small business owner, then your personal brand and who you are in your business, you can't you can't se- separate the two. You are your business. I am my business. Most of the people that I know are their businesses too, especially now after the pandemic, people understand that hey, that secure, safe job, corporate job that you have isn't so secure anymore. So why not? If it's going to be a struggle anyway, why not go after something you're passionate about and be your own boss and create your own life? We're seeing a huge rise in entrepreneurship and small businesses starting since the pandemic because of this reason. So if you are interested in that course, shoot me an email at rain at sixsecondstories.com. I have a half off discount for you, but only if you shoot me a message because I want to know that you're serious enough to take that step to email me at rain at six secondstories.com. The going uh, price is $149 on that course. That means for $150, you can take the course. But for you, my friends, my storytellers, it'll be $70 at your own pace. It's 14 lessons. You can start it whenever you want to. So if you want the discount, but you can't start it until later in the year, do it now. So the going price for the course is $149, $149. But for you, my friends, my storytellers, you can get it for $75 if you send me that email and tell me you were sent from the Storytelling Lab podcast. So in season six of the Storytelling Lab, not only were my solo episodes dedicated to uncovering your story and te- you know finding your authentic story and crafting your story and building a life and a business around it, this, these were a lot of the themes that we talked about with our guests, with our all-star guests that we have. So that's what today's episode is about. Our 100th episode is the top storytelling tips from our storytelling experts of season six. Let's get into it. So our first of the top tips comes from Jimmy Hayes Nelson, who is a storytelling and high-performance business coach. Now, I saw I had a lot of similarities and a lot of parallels with Jimmy uh, one of the lines that he he talks about was, you know, doing musical matinees on Sundays and being pissed because he couldn't watch the Cowboys game. Now, coincidentally, I'm a Cowboys fan, too, but I got it. I got that 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 feeling because I've always been an athlete and an artist and struggled with finding the unique intersections between those two identities. And that's what Jimmy talks about. He talks specifically about how to to lean into your real self, your your authentic self, you know, figuring out who that is and what that looks like and how to leverage your unique qualities and 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 why not to run from them and how to push yourself past you know these perceived limits that you that that you have in your mind and unlock that potential to build your own personal brand based off of that story uh he has a big fitness background a business background as well uh somebody that I look up to a lot specifically because of the spaces that we're in but man his energy that he just brings to the table you can you can tell he used to be on those insanity DVDs uh back in the day on like the if you remember the infomercials he brings that energy to storytelling and personal branding and I promise you you will get benefit from him right I just help you I'm just the business guy I'm like one million other people you know and so if we'll lean into I think people don't want to niche down and don't want to get too specific because they think I'm going to lose part of my audience But what it's going to do is I'm going to attract people like you, other weirdos, just like me that have weird intersections. Cause I was the same way. I was the only guy doing musicals that was mad at the Sunday matinee that I was missing the Cowboy game. Nobody else cared back there. I knew I was like, I, so this is back in the day of like, 
<laughs> trying to like set the VCR to record the game, not have on the radio, get home after the matinee and watch the game without finding out what was going on, you know? Um, but when we really <laughs> lean into all the weird things that make us weird, not only we'll find other weirdos that are exactly like us. And when you yeah. find those people, they're immediately your audience. Like those are like your lifers. And then there's going to be people outside of that, that maybe just appreciate the artist in you, or maybe just appreciates the athlete and you or the business person or whatever, but it really does allow it to lean in. And then that's become my branding about how, for me, my mindset, you know, I have an entire um, morning routine. I talk about a lot about this idea that my hundred pound weight loss wasn't the biggest battle that I face. My biggest battle I face is the one every morning that I battle in my mind. I have to do fat Jimmy still lives up here. And so when I wake up in the morning, I immediately grab my phone, go to YouTube, put on some kind of motivational video or whatever, because I got to have something speak life into me before I start talking to myself because that dude still lives up here. So for me, it's get up, feed my brain while I'm prepping and get that workout in because all those things that fill my bucket, if I'm going to reach out and have an impact in this world, if I'm going to coach others, if I'm going to pour into other people I can't do it from an empty vessel. So I have to get up and take care of my mind and my body first if I'm going to be the best for them. I just came off a four-day event where it was this, the biggest virtual event in the world, this crazy 360 studio with interactive Zooms in front of 40,000 people. My call time, my car came at 6.30 in the morning. So I was up at 4.15 to move. And did I want to? No. But this was the biggest stage of my career. And I'm like, cool. I got to go all day. And so it would be really easy to go. I have a 12, 14 hour day ahead of me. I should probably get extra sleep. I thought of it the other way. I got to get up and get this battery rolling because I, these people are counting on me to show up. They've, they've trusted me with this audience, right? So I don't take that lightly or the same thing, whether that's a, an audience of 40,000 or if I'm sitting across a client one-to-one, you've trusted me to help you with something or you've trusted me to show up and speak on your stage. I got to be the best version of me. So that goes back into investing in my mindset and and moving my body. So it really does all work together. All right. Next up, continuing that same vein of finding your authentic self and building your personal brand is Heather H. Bennett. And no, she's not a long lost cousin. She might be, but she is storytelling family nonetheless. Now I met Heather She's from Chicago area, and I met her from another previous guest on the show who's been turned into a great friend of mine, Troy Sandage, who who highly recommended her. And I'll be honest, like I I didn't because I, I didn't research her myself initially and and seek her out. She was a reference. Uh, you know, I, I did understand that we could talk about storytelling stuff, but I didn't I didn't really know what to expect as much. You know, a lot of the guests that I reach out to, like I've been following for a while or I was pretty aware of, you know, where they were coming from. I, I still get pleasantly surprised every time. But with Heather, it was it was one of our most I mean, I don't want to like double down on the word authentic, but it was just so genuine. She was so sincere and knew what she was talking about. It's one of my favorite episodes, especially one of those that I didn't anticipate because I wasn't as aware of her before Troy uh, you know, told me about her and introduced us to each other. So in this clip, Heather and I, Heather and I talk about you know, her process for discovering what it is that you love about yourself and using that as the foundation to build your personal brand. Check out Heather's clip. Well, to start with Rain, it, this I love this part of the conversation because really the most important thing is listening. Mm. And 
and then guiding my, you know, the people I work with, with questions. The idea being a lot of time, it's hard to really look at ourselves and see ourselves because we're so busy looking out. For so, sure. <laughs> so to work with my clients, I'll, I start with a series of questions and exercises and methodologies that I've been using for, oh gosh, six, six years now. Um, about three years ago, I created a workbook with all of these exercises. And, and then I just recently uh, published a book um, about, you know, how to go through this process. And the key to really understanding your own personal brand is to go back <laughs> and start from the beginning, remembering Love it. Um, what you were like um, as a child, as a teenager, as a college student, and really thinking about that time period mm -hmm. and then gradually moving forward and finding, uh, and this is I, what I've been told is the most unique part of the way I do personal branding and my methodology is finding those key lines that stay consistent mm. from that time period way, way back to now and finding those key personality traits, the skills, mm. um, the, the things you're passionate about, uh, what motivates you, uh, what work environments or team environments you thrive in, and finding those key lines that have stayed consistent throughout that time period. So it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of reflection. Um, it's, it's a fun part of the process. Yeah. You, you know what I love about that is like you're using storytelling to, to design that, to craft that. You're going back and looking at their whole story and seeing like, where are the moments of uh, achievement or overcoming obstacles or themes that reemerge that are, that are uniquely you. I love that. And I love going back and, and, and whether we're calling it that or not, you're, it's still using a story to inform, to inform the way, the way forward. Um, could you tell me, could you tell us a, a few of those questions, those initial questions that you asked somebody? Yes, uh, definitely. It's uh, one of the ones I I like the best is tell me about a moment of pride Ooh. in your life, because it's so hard to really celebrate your own achievement. I think a lot of people totally. have a hard time really enjoying that moment and really celebrating the accomplishments. And but yeah, yeah. so for me, when I think about that that question, what it, it's, it seems like what that would unveil or reveal is, you know, what are the, you, you want to replicate that feeling. If that was a moment of pride, what did you do to, uh, you know, achieve that? So for me, I feel like that would inform like, okay, what's, what's something you're passionate about? What's something you would like to, to do again? This is, that's awesome. What, uh, what's another example, another question. Another example. Um, let's see, building off of that would be, um, Think about your four closest friends hmm. and think about what you admire about them and what you enjoy when you're spending time with them. And then many of the, and then think about whether you have those same qualities and whether those same, you have links to what they're passionate about. Hmm. So it, it's kind of, it's, I know that there's a lot of different ways I've seen people explain this exercise, but that's, that's the way I focus on it is to see, cause they will reflect on you, the things that you love about yourself. Okay. So next up, 
we talk about, we've already talked about using your story to build a personal brand. And, and listen, I'm one of those that's like, for a long time, I thought that personal brand had this icky kind of sound to it. Like, I don't want to build a personal brand. I'm not trying to be an influencer. You all, we all have a personal brand. It's the story that others tell about you, right? You have one whether you realize it or whether you pay attention to it or cultivate it or not. You have one. There's a personal brand about you. And now it might not have a big signal, <laughs> but it's out there. People have decided what they think about you. Now you can control that. And one of the places where you can really benefit from controlling that story that people tell about you is when you're trying to find your job and find your path forward. Now, that's not always building a business. Not everybody wants to do that and go into business for themselves. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, even though it's become you know, really popular these days. Some people just want to find a good job with good benefits, right? That's my wife. She helps you build your resume, use LinkedIn as a resource, and start the process of figuring out what career you are best suited for. And then once you have figured that out, by again understanding your unique story, she helps you execute through job interviews, through your resume, through your applications. It gets down to the real nitty-gritty, but it is still about using your story to pursue the career of your dreams. Yeah. So I would tell you, Hey, take like a couple minutes today, find a quiet space, let a candle if you want to, and just go back to a moment when you are happiest at work. Mm. Like, do you, can you think of one? Yeah. Like a moment when you were at work and you felt, okay, tell me, Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, love this. I would tell you to write it well, down, but tell me. Yeah, there's a, I love this process. I go through this, this myself too, because I have so many interests and in yeah. business, it's I struggle sometimes of you know chasing one thing or another instead of trying to find alignment. And so when I yeah. assess these things, I absolutely love being on set. I, I literally my Instagram post today was about that was about just the you know the feeling that I get. I also love being on stage. Yeah, beautiful. So what I would say is like beautiful story for today. Like find find one specific moment. And when I'm and I'm not like. Yeah, general. Because when you're like, I'm, I like being on stage, I like being on set. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, these are all stories you already know. Right. So if you're gonna re, if you're gonna think about what your story is and you want a different outcome than what you already know, you gotta go a bit deeper, deeper mm-hmm. right? Because I would be like, oh, I love my happiest moments when I'm teaching children. Actually, mm-hmm. children and teaching have very little to do <laughs> with what makes me happy, right? But I was like, oh no, it's the moment when I help someone to see themselves. And it sounds like for you, it's like the moment a vision comes true or the mm. mission or the, or the way that you can get buy-in on an idea and other people are all like, and there's a payoff, right? Yeah. So it's the specific. You're and 100% then, right about that. And then tomorrow I would say, do it again, light a candle, go, okay, what was the moment that brought me great joy? <laughs> My heart, like where I didn't feel like work and do it for seven to 10 days. And one moment today, like just writing out those stories and not trying to like think of the answer, get to the conclusion or wonder how this is marketable. Just like trust the process of like what feels good in my skin, right? So you literally are using, you know, or encouraging your clients to... I mean, you're using storytelling in this, in this process. You're not just like, oh, this is going to be your story that you tell people, but you're using storytelling as the process. Yeah. And then after seven to 10 days, you look at all those cards and I say index cards because then, then look at each story and go, what skill or strength did I use here? Mm. 
right? So, and they might just be like, oh, it's collaborating or for me and, and try and use your own words. Like my, in the muck, like no yeah. one else uses that. No, but I, but I knew exactly what you meant, you yeah. know, that, that, that connected very quickly. Yeah. Right. So trying not to use like industry words, but try and use your own words of what, what you describe. Good point. Here we are again, being our authentic selves. Yeah. Right. Know? So um, each story, write down whatever skills you see. And maybe it's three, maybe it's 20, but for each story, write those out, mm-hmm. then lay them out. I do it on a bed, <laughs> lay out all those skills, like with the skills side up and go, which skill keeps coming up over and over again. Mm. When I'm doing my best work, when I'm happiest, what am I doing? And you'll then choose like the ones that, that come up and that can become your, your career narrative that you tell, like, I am happiest at work when I'm doing skill one, skill two, skill three. And, and then, so uh, I suppose the, the next step would be to try to find jobs that would allow you to do those three things. Well then, yeah. Well, the next step is. Or am I skipping a step? You're skipping. Cause okay. the next step is then to love yourself. So put in some practice because having that narrative and then going for the dream is going to take, you don't have some kind of practice of loving yourself. Then you're going to quickly go for maybe the wrong thing. Not think about it deeply, (laughs) like go through like self-love. You're not, you know, maybe you'll take something because you want the experience, but it's a lower salary and you get bitter about it. So then it's self-love. Then it's a bit of um, reflection on how like the, the three, I think, are the most important values to explore related to a career, which is your money, um, how much money you need to make, your status um, in a company, sure. and then like how you want to report. I kind of kind of want to report to people. And then your, your personal values. Then from there, you figure out like who are my ideal people in my environment. Mm-hmm. And then you make a list of 10 things that you could possibly do go check them out, choose one, and then go for it. Okay, storytellers. Next up, we have Robert Kennedy III, also known as RK3. And Robert Kennedy and I talked a lot about the power of video and you're telling your story, but specifically on how to be interesting, how to remain interesting, especially in whatever career or medium of storytelling that you choose. So this is such an important part of it. Like people, you want people, and if back to Carrie's episode, if you're trying to get a job, you want people to remember you, right? If you are using video at a virtual event, you want people to to engage and connect with you and, and, and be interested in what you have to say, right? All of this is about trying to become a magnet and attract people like-minded people or people that could benefit from our perspectives and unique approaches to our sphere. We're trying to draw them into our sphere and you have to do that by getting their attention. And the way you get their attention is by being interesting and a really effective way of being interesting is to be able to tell a great story. Robert Kennedy III, RK3, knows how to tell a good story no matter what format or what medium you use. Listen to what he has to say here. Yeah. Well, two things. Number one, you've got to be interesting. Number two, you've got to be intentional. Mm. <laughs> right? So the interesting part is, is the harder of the two, right? Because it feels like you have to change your personality. It feels like you've got to change your energy. It yeah, feels what is, like you've... 
what is interesting you know i'm like what does interesting mean because i think i know where you're where you're going yeah. I, bet, I bet a lot of people think it means like funny or something like that no no not funny but, necessarily just okay i mean it's all of us innately know what interesting is it's it's somebody that you want to listen to okay it's somebody that's that is passionate it's somebody okay. that's energetic it's somebody that um tells a story or speaks in a way that makes you want to continue listening mm-hmm Right. So so that's interesting. I mean, I think about the I don't know. And this is a movie. It's going to re- reveal my age a little bit. So <laughs> back in the day, there was this movie, uh, Sister Act, Sister Act 2. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was that professor, the guy that taught Latin. And in the in the movie, every time he spoke, it was that it was monotone. Mm. It was this way. Let's go even further back. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. Right. So, <laughs> so the thing is. I meet leaders, I meet organizational executives and vice presidents and and political figures who are like that. Yeah. yeah, Right. That's how they speak. And the reason that people pay attention to them in person is because they have to. Because, yep, 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 yep. Got it. So how does that person become interesting? Well, number one, you you have it starts with self-awareness, right? But you become interesting by being interested. You've got to figure out what it is that is of concern to your audience. What are the things that they care about? What are the things that drive them? What are the problems that are going on in their world? And what are the words that you can utilize that relate to those problems that will cause them to perk up? I like right? that. So if I've, if I've got um, an audience of of let's say that i've got an audience of women right and a lot of these women are maybe between the age of 25 and 40 right so maybe one of the things that some of them and hopefully i won't get in trouble for this one of the things that some of them are thinking about is you know they've got families or, or some of them are moms Right. As a speaker, as a an, an executive in an organization, I've got to find out if that's the truth. I've got to find out if that's the case with the people in my audience. And if that is the case, then my language needs to to relate to that. Mm-hmm. Right. If if I don't if I speak in a way that doesn't even address their experience or their situation in life, then they're going to tune me out. They're not going to listen to me. Everybody's tuned into WeFM. What's in it for me? Right. And so if 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 I'm not tuned into that, if I'm not connected to that, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. So it's not so much about you being energetic, because I think Robert shows up in a way that I, I bring energy to a room, right? Just because right. that's who I choose to be. Yes. Right. But not everybody shows up or not everybody can do that effectively. But right. what everybody can do effectively is ask questions. Everybody can be curious. Everybody can find out what the people you're talking to care about. Okay. Did you like what you heard there with RK3? Because we're going to double down on that. We're going to double down on how to remain interesting, how to be memorable, how to gain that attention, how to create understanding, how to make your story memorable and repeatable. We're going to talk about the science behind storytelling, the neuroeconomics, the, the study of how the brain makes decisions, the psychology, the brain part of storytelling. 
This next guest of the Storytelling Lab, Neil Bearden, has now moved to North Carolina from Singapore. And at the time of our show, we were steadily building a bromance and 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 wanting to hang out once uh, he got here and now it's uh he's here it's almost august and he is here and i haven't seen him yet but i'm going to soon so our budding friendship aside neil is a professional when it comes to understanding the psychology behind storytelling and decision making and why people care, why people give a shit about your story. And that's crucial. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to stay memorable, to to attach our stories to the minds of the people who we're addressing, who we're trying to reach. It's all psychology, folks. It's all how we behave. It's all about how we make the decisions and how we view ourselves in the world this is what it comes down to stories are about communicating with other humans that's what it is and to do that effectively effectively you have to know what we care about is this going to help us or is this going to hurt us it's all so simple and it's the way we've been wired since the beginning of humanity check out what neil has to say here when i was doing the psych phd my focus most of the time was on human memory and so, by the way, just to step out of this for one second. Sure. I have a, a very simple model of communication. It's I apply it to everything, to startup pitches, to sales, to this conversation right now. It's that we should always have four objectives. The first is we should get our audience's attention. The second is to make sure that they understand our point. The third is to make sure that people actually remember what it is that we're communicating. And the fourth, the holy grail, is to communicate so that other people can retell others what we've said. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have those as four goals, attention, understanding, memorable, repeatable, there's very good research in psychology. What I was doing with one of those professors at Southeastern, Hunter McAllister, was working at the intersection of law and psychology. Mm-hmm. And back then I got very interested in jury decision-making. People spent a lot of time studying that. And if you want to get a jury to remember your argument, if you're a lawyer, very simple. You know what you do? You don't go give them a bunch of statistics. You tell them a story. There's something called the story model. And it's very, very clear from research and psychology, although you don't really need to do an experiment to verify this. You and I both know it. Everyone should know it, that people retain stories very well. So I knew that. But then I started adding in some other bits. Okay, so what do people remember? Because remember I was studying memory when I was doing my PhD. A few things, they remember distinct things. So if I give you a list, bed, rest, awake, tired, dream, hippopotamus, <laughs> doze, slumber, snore, nap, peace, yawn, drowsy. Or if, if I ask you an hour later, remember that list, everyone's gonna remember hippopotamus. Why? Because it was distinct. So there are just some basic ways that memory works. And if you start leveraging those characteristics, once you're aware of them in your storytelling, for instance, adding something in your story that's distinct and therefore memorable, which will then enable people to better remember fragments of your story. And then the way memory works is we reconstruct the past. We don't have recordings. So if you enable them to retain fragments of your story, it makes it easier for them to reconstruct the story. 
and then in turn retell it to other folks, you can start basically engineering using psychology, the stories that you tell so that they're more effective. Yeah, if you have the the, pil the pillars or the fragments and then, then you can build off off of those fragments and eventually fill out that whole timeline instead of just looking at a blank timeline and be like, all right, what was the story again? Boom, that's it. Yeah. That's all it takes. So that was a, a great explanation of how memory works. What about, I know that you work with decisions. What about decision-making? What, what goes on in the head when someone is forced with a decision? We've heard your story. You've talked about a lot of decisions that you've gone through. Sometimes it's, we're not consciously, you know, we just do shit, but how does, how does the mind work when it's like they're faced with a choice? Yep. You can, you can leverage a number of characteristics. So for instance, if you're doing a sales pitch or mm -hmm. an investor pitch, mm -hmm. well, what are people sensitive to? We know from behavioral economics, a lot of people listen to this read thinking fast and slow. They know that Kahneman Tversky stuff. People are very sensitive to losses, for instance. So one thing you learn, if you go to business school, you take a class on behavioral decision-making, they're gonna teach you about framing and loss aversion, that people are much more sensitive to the thought that they might lose something than mm -hmm. they are to the opportunity they might gain something. So in your stories, if you can start to paint a picture that if the person doesn't buy your product or if they don't invest in you right now, because you make that case strongly by illustrating your pitch, by telling them a story, and you make them sensitive to the potential loss of it, they're much more likely to say yes. So you, you can start framing things in a certain way to get the desired outcome. Now it's not a Jedi mind trick and it's not manipulation, but you can just realize, okay, people are sensitive to loss. People are quite prone to the anticipation of regret. So if I can frame this story to get my counterparty to imagine himself in the future, not saying yes to me right now, how mm -hmm. shitty that's gonna feel if this thing works out, if I can leverage anticipated regret right now by framing it, by getting him to, to imagine himself in the future, I might increase the probability that I get what I want, a yes, for instance. So all that's pretty basic 101 kind of stuff, but you can start to piece it together in an engineering sure. way to tell the stories with much greater <laughs> intentionality. Okay, so perfect timing. It's almost like my associate producer Chandler carefully crafted and cultivated the outline of the top storytelling tips season six in episode 100 just for you so that one logically leads to the next you know kind of like a story does all right enough of that i'm stepping down so the next guest that we have is annette simmons right here in my backyard like neil is now but annette has lived in durham and now raleigh for quite a while and i didn't even realize that and she is storytelling royalty the author of Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins, uh, The Story Factor, and then older books like Territorial Games. Annette is an expert in, like Neil, how stories work to create connections with people, but specifically how they work to create connections with groups. Going back to her book, Territorial Games, that's what led her to storytelling is understanding that we created groups in our territories through storytelling. And then she started to learn about the power of storytelling. So Annette and I talk a lot about how to, how to move through your discomfort and, and share your story with a larger group so that you and the group can continue to connect and grow and that community can strengthen, can build and strengthen. 
I've given speeches on this as well. This is such an important part of finding your unique story and understanding how to tell stories is finding the people that it connects to. Just telling your own story to avoid, hey, it may help you navigate something, but the real point of storytelling is to work with people and help other people on a macro level, right? On a larger level to make a bigger, deeper impact on the world and our communities around us. This is what storytelling is really about and has always been about for humans, creating bonds and growing communities. But I designed this model um, that uh, is a five stage uh, uh, process of dialogue. And in the beginning, we each have our own. So one year, one story is a, a triangle, one story is a square, and it's in this container because we we're all on the same team for some reason. Um, but on top of that is politeness and pretending, which is if we were honest um, about what we really thought, uh, it would be disruptive to, to the group. And so we actually have to create a space where we move from the state at which we get things done, which is, is you don't go too deep, otherwise you, you know, are navel gazing. We needed to move into, for a special circumstance, the state at which we are allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, not just in listening to other people's stories, but admitting our own. And so that takes the politeness and pretending off temporarily gives people a chance to share their stories um, in a safe, you know, psychological safety is, is now documented as something that helps groups perform. So you create that psychological safety, they share their stories. And what happens is the triangle starts to bend out because it's no longer part, you know, it's open and understanding and the triangle then moves into the little curly cue and then the square opens up um, and then you end up with this, what I call resolution, um, which is the understanding that, you know, we, we now all have the same parts of the story. The important part is that there is um, initially a feeling of chaos. When everybody starts sharing their story, it feels, feels very destabilizing because it is. Um, and I mean, it's intentional. And so if I can get people to understand that this is the discomfort that's going to get you to similar to what we were talking about before, what's the motivation? Mm -hmm. This is the, the complex, the discomfort and complexity that is stage one before you understand how your story connects with other people's stories and create the whole. And so there's this, this, this stage where, where it feels really dangerous. And so the title of that book is A Safe Place for Dangerous Truth. Hmm. feels really dangerous, but then the stage of discarding and redefining is characterized by these long pauses, which is not normally considered a power move in a group meeting. People start to speak slowly and they go, no, wait a minute, what? And that's when you're really doing the, the work of creating this new bigger story. Mm -hmm. And then once you've created this new bigger story, it's, it's a single component of all of these smaller stories. And then frankly, you have to put the politeness and pretending back on because we can't be constantly opening to have people challenge our narrative. We need to you know, live and work. 
Yeah. Um, and so um, that's really where uh, the second time when I began to realize, yeah, this is this is what uh, I think helps people. When we're kids, stories mm -hmm. tell us uh, who to trust, who not to trust, how to behave. So it's it's the socialization process, and and stories help us remember things that are easy to forget. Totally. And so the things we have to constantly remember is are things like patience things like um sharing um and and it's it's not like you know at 60 years old uh, i've got that down you know it's it's the stories that continue to remind like your your documentary i love that the, the it reminds me of how we don't need a gym you know it reminds me of all the things i could do if i just create community around it mm. and it reminds me of, of how hard it is to protect community um, once, once it becomes a fad, if you will. Um, so these, this is the purpose for me of storytelling is to continue to help us remember that we're not just in it for ourselves. And most of the storytelling that, that feels meaningful, I think is the, the stories that create, that move us from I, it, uh, borrowing from Buber to I thou. Mm. Um, and, and those are the stories I think that, that continue to deliver such a powerful reminder of who we are and why we're here that we call it entertainment. Um, but it really is us, you know, going back to trying to figure out how we can be trustworthy, who we should trust, um, and, and what's important to do now. So after we understand how to use stories to create those bonds and grow those communities, and we're trying to craft our own path, build our own businesses that are based around us, right? Carve our own lanes, whatever metaphor you want to use. You have to understand how to keep that community strong for a long time, how to deepen those relationships. You know, in my mom's world, who's in the real estate, she has people that come back to her year after year after year, whether it's their, their cousins or their sons buying houses or them downsizing five years later and coming back to, the, to her. She has repeat business for, for the 20 years she's been doing real estate because she creates long-lasting relationships. And if you're going to build your own brand, you have to create a little community based on the unique perspectives you have and the thoughts that you have on the world and the way that the world works and the way that life and business works. And you will find those people in the community that agree with that or that can be helped by that, by that approach, by that perspective, and they will be a, become a part of your community. And you make a relationship with them that is so strong, they will support you in anything that you do. Jaya Rose, our next guest, talks about them being your soul fans. Because, yes, we, we know the term that Pat Flynn uses called super fans, or even if you don't, you understand that concept, you know, really loyal fans. But soul fans mean means something deeper, right? You're touching them on a different level. That's a connection that doesn't just go away because ah, they didn't, you know, like they didn't like the product that you put out this, you know, this month. Right. That's a that's a deep connection. that They understand what what impact you're trying to have on the world and they want to be a part of it. That is the group that you're trying to cultivate with your stories. And Jaya Rose knows that world well. I've seen her do this in her own career. Listen to what she has to say here. 
Okay. So soul fans <laughs> is something that I made up based on how I want to think about my audience. Yes. And it's really from the concept of super fans, mm -hmm. but I feel like that's not really the truth for me of like how connected I feel or want to feel to my audience. So soul fans are people who don't know why, but they're just, they're just into you, you know, they're, they're magnetized by your energy. And that is something more than just what you're saying or what you're doing or what you're selling. And that is the thing that is ultimately so special about each of us, right? You're like, I like her vibe. I like the way yeah. she expresses herself. Totally. And that is what a soul fan sees about you um, before even probably hearing anything from you. And then it just so happens that when you share your story and you do get vulnerable and you are authentic, you give people enough to, I, I want to use the term sink their teeth into, which is a weird, but no, I think I you know what I mean, I right? It's like, if you're going to be magnetized, if you think about the way magnets work, yes. they're very specific. Mm -hmm. They either repel or attract. Yep. So we want to be that magnetic surface where people can cling to it. And, and that's the key is like, if you don't, um, this is consistency, right? If you don't show up consistently, then they're going to slide off. And in order to have soul fans be magnetically attracted to you, you need to be the conduit. Likening it to relationships is really helpful because anybody who's been in a long-term relationship or been married or been married three times like me, uh, knows what it takes to actually keep the spark alive in a marriage. And it is not a fairy tale. It is Constant work. Work. How do you keep the spark alive with anything? You give it attention. And that is the same thing with your audience. Your audience wants attention and they want, you know, people look at visibility like, oh, stay top of mind. But I really say more touch their hearts often. So what if it's not really about, oh, just being in front of them for some random reason, but it's like the more often you touch someone's heart, the more likely they're going to fall in love with you and you can bypass all that no like, and trust and go straight to love. So in order to make those deep relationships, you have to be authentically yourself. And we started this episode off with that word authenticity through storytelling. But that also means you have to be vulnerable and you have to be your real self. That means you have to be your exposed, open-hearted self as well. Like Brene Brown says, you know, uh, 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 what is it? Soft, soft heart, strong back, something like that. Meaning you have to be open in the front, but you have to be resilient and strong in your constitution, right? In your framework and, and stand strong, but you have to be open and you have to be vulnerable in the front yeah heart has to be open so our next guest mike ganino i've been wanting to talk to for a while earlier in today's episode i was talking about how i'd usually do you know a good amount of research um before talking to somebody and he was one of those and, and that i had known about and we had been connecting on social media for a while but i still was surprised by what he had to say but we connected so deeply in just a quick chat and we still have never met in person, and I can't wait to. But Mike talks so much about how to find that authentic version of yourself, how to undo that stifled self-expression uh, to honor your own truth, and therefore to use that truth to serve your audience, because that's what it always comes back to. If we built those soul fans, like Jaya Rose says, 
the only way you can be real with them and help them is to be real with yourself. To be and become who you've always been inside and bring that truth to your audience. It's not easily done, folks. It's not easily done. But stories can help you get there. Uncovering your story, peeling back those layers. Mike really talks about living into that, just being real. Because people are tired of the fakeness. And if you're trying to build a community of clients, customers, right? A community around how you view the world and the way that you move in it and your unique perspectives about what it is that you do. You have to be real. You have to be truthful with them, even when it's tough and even when you have to be vulnerable. Listen to how Mike says you should do it. What we have to do is not put more on to be able to stand in front of other people. We have to take more stuff off. We have to reveal how we feel. We have to get rid of all this because we were born. I mean, think about like, think about your, 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 your kids. Think about when we're born, we are pure, unbridled self-expression. From the moment that we come out and that doctor taps us to get us to take that big gulp of breath so that we breathe air for the first time, from that moment, until some point in our life when enough people have told us to be polite, to be kind, to not say what we feel, to not express ourselves that way, we are pure expression. And I feel like what I do with people is undo all of that stuff because everything, and, and you've seen this with, with folks you've worked with, I'm sure, especially when, when uh, interviewing someone on film, we really fall apart when there's a camera in front of us. There's, there's, people come in and they'll have a script yeah and they think i need to get the words right definitely and what i know and, and i think what you what you know is you could say those same exact words and it can feel really really different you could say those same words and how we um the image that we put on the screen or on the stage can change the the way it feels so it isn't about the words it's about the sounds those words make Right. Like that's what language is, is sounds. It's musicality. That's why it's hard to understand language sometimes is because we don't know where words begin and end. I speak Spanish uh, pretty near fluent. And so I'm always really cocky when there's another romance language in the room. And I'm like, Portuguese, got it. Um, Italian, got it. Because it's so easy for me to read those languages. But it's really hard for me to hear and understand them. Why? Because when we speak, we sing the words always. We're always just singing kind of in a, in a way. There's always melody. And it's hard. It, this is why it's hard sometimes to understand like uh, British accents if you're an American or or uh, because the sounds are so different, even though it's the same words that we should technically understand. And so that's the thing that is almost everyone I work with. I'll say everyone. That's what we're undoing is let's undo the stuff that is making the sounds you make. And, and that comes from a lot of places. It comes from psychology. Totally. It comes from physicality, actually breathing, opening your mouth, knowing how to do that, how you're moving your body. All of those things shape what you say more sometimes than the words. Mm. But everybody is worried about the words. <sighs> totally, totally. I love that line so much about <clears throat> it's not about putting more on, but taking more <laughs> off, you know, yeah. revealing like who who and what is underneath because you're you're that's so spot on. I mean, you can, you, 
you can just see the mentality of people of like, okay, this is me and I want to be a speaker. So I need to add this thing and this thing and this <laughs> thing and this thing and this thing. Yeah. And like by the time you're done with this, like you're not even recognizable. Yeah. Like you've put on all these facades, right? Like, I mean, so I really, that's such a succinct and simple way to put it that it's not, it's not really about stacking more on top of you. It's, it's about taking these layers off that you've been built up. I really like that. Right. And if you think about, think about the people who've like really um, kind of blown up in this world a lot. So let's talk about Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek didn't actually share a personal story at all. He didn't share his like start with why talk wasn't about like he went through something. Right. He told a story and he had a very clear perspective and opinion about it. And so even if we're sharing someone else's story, being able to strip away all the stuff so that we can show up as we tell it is critical because the audience showed up there to see Simon Sinek talk about start with why. So tell us whatever you want talk about apple talk about disney talk about southwest airlines talk about zappa the you know these are the ones everyone talks about yeah but if you're just retelling something that anyone could have read we don't need you but if you can show up like simon did and have a very clear opinion that is pouring out of you that is your truth being revealed great now you make like a lot of i think he's like over a hundred thousand dollars for a speech by him yeah. multi-best-selling book you look at someone like Brene brown <clears throat> She did the opposite. She told her personal story, that very first TEDx that made her uh, kind of a household name in a lot of ways. She changed it the day before because she realized I can't just stand up there and share all this data. Uh, uh, it feels wrong because I'm feeling like a fraud because I'm feeling so scared to do this. And so when she went out on stage, she shared that message. We are so thirsty for realness for 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 what feels like truth to us we are so thirsty for that and we are we all would say that we would look and say like oh that's what i want i want someone to be real i want them to tell me i want to see something and yet when we get up there we are so scared because of a lifetime a lifetime of being told be nice be polite say good things don't mess up don't be bad get a good grade say the right words that we are so frightened to show ourselves in that moment. And that I think is where the fear of public speaking comes from. It comes from one, not knowing you're going to be okay, regardless of what happens up there. Like you're going to be okay. The fear of that unknown, there is no unknown. You're going to be fine. And two is you haven't convinced yourself that what you have to say is so dang important that, that it really matters, that what you have to say is really gonna change stuff. And I think we go up there without any personal stuff in the story. So what we have to say doesn't really matter that much because it's not embedded in our bones. And I think when we embed it in our bones, that fear goes away because we're like, I have to go say this thing to these people. I have to go say this thing to these people. It wouldn't be storytelling, hell, it wouldn't be life if we didn't talk about some of the dark things because we can't just have all this greatness of storytelling and sharing experiences with another and with others and growing communities based off of those shared experiences and connections that they build. That's all great, right? That's all happy go lucky. But the world is tough and we struggle. All of us struggle. It's painful. It's traumatic at, at times. But I have this saying about turning your tragic flaw into your superpower. And this, if you can understand how to do this, and if you can lean into the scary parts of your story and understand how to work through that and trudge through that and turn that 
obstacle into an advantage, you can really craft a story and a life and a business unlike anybody else. Now, the next guest we're going to hear from, Mathina James Brightful, Sister Mathina, talks about transforming that trauma into purpose with storytelling and how to heal others by healing yourself with your story. My God, this... Oof. I just got chills just even thinking about it. This whole season was amazing, but Mathina's episode is so jam-packed full of soul energy. To go back to Jaya Rose and a little hat tip there with her soul fans, Mathina, she talks about finding your divine spot in the world. And like, man, her her episode was full of spirit and spirituality and and I would say divinity. I mean, it was it was powerful. It was really powerful. And this whole thing that we're trying to create together, building your own life that only you can live, that's powerful, folks. And it's going to take you really leaning into that. And a lot of times that means you're going to have to be able to heal those wounds that life has created for you. And stories can do that. Listen to my friend, Sister Mathina. Yeah, great question. I actually have someone who's a survivor who experienced a sexual assault and then incrementally started with oh I'm gonna write a little book and right and literally wrote the book and then said well I want to gather other survivors and so now she said she began gathering others and then for her the, what took her in the next place was well I actually want to do policy work so I'm gonna start telling pieces of my story but really I want to spend time advocating for policies and laws that will shift and make changes not just for survivors that experience assault like me but for anyone who's impacted by various forms of violence. And so that became the trajectory for, for her. I have another person who I know of that's an educator and had a history of experiencing trauma and bounced it off by building a campaign, but bridged off of that campaign and now does you know spiritual artwork, doesn't talk about the trauma at all, but does spiritual artwork because it became a catalyst for developing the muscle around advocating for your skill, for yourself, and for your journey in life, and really offering your gift into the world. That sharing that piece of that story became the, the key to the prison of your gift. Hmm. And if you can break it open, right, literally take your gift off of guard and use the gift to guard your journey and not keep it under guard so that it gets locked away and no one gets a chance to be served by it. And the first person that's ever served by a gift is always the person giving it. You are the first person that gets served by a gift. So if you want to build a trajectory, a journey, or what have you, first decide what's the first place I want to start. That's where you start doesn't mean where you have to stay. Think about a marathon. Where you start isn't where you stay because you're moving. And along the journey, you're going to get markers that say, this is where you are. You can choose to stay there, even if it's just, you know, maybe need a 15 minute break. Or you can keep running and then, so choose where you want to start. Who do you want to start with? Mm -hmm. Right. I started my journey with children. That's what, now I spend very little time talking to young people, but I started there. So what do you want to do? Where do you want to start? Who do you want to start with? And then what method? People laugh because while I'm a speaker and can do keynotes and I will, my love is training. My love is spending time with you, seeing you, making that eye contact, getting heart to heart and belly to belly so I can wrap my arms around you literally, but not due to COVID. I'm going to wrap my arms around you with words. And then you're going to tell me all your business and we're going to work it through. 
And we're going to walk out with a skill and a strategy and a community that supports you in breathing when you feel like you can't breathe for yourself. Why do you think working with people that intimately is so fulfilling to you? I think it's because there is a moment of transformation that happens. There's that shift that happens. It's a good moment. Every moment that that happens for someone else, I feel the new part of myself emerging. So some of it is selfish, right? Not in the I'm hoarding anything, but Mm -hmm. in the I want to grow. I want to develop. And for every light, every candle, if you think about it this way, if I feel like I'm a light and I'm a candle and I light other candles, then we illuminate a room. You know, I love ending on Mathina just because, like I said, it's so, uh, and I don't say this to trivialize the word, but it's so, it seems so divine to me. It seems so deeply rooted in spirituality an understanding of, of who you are as a human being. And that is the crux of this whole season, season six. Understanding who you are. Understanding who can benefit from your unique experiences in life and the lessons that you've learned the hard way. And understanding how to find and uncover that story that is uniquely yours so that you can build a life, launch a brand, whether it's a personal brand or a business or a nonprofit, so that you can build a life that only you can live. This is something I'm wholeheartedly convinced that we all can do. All of us can do it. And this is something we talked about on the whole season six of the storytelling lab. And it's something that's been occupying my mind space for a long time. And I know that many of you out there, especially after the pandemic are thinking about wanting to do something like this, starting that business you've always wanted to. Well, I'm here to help you in any way that I can. If you need coaching, I'm here for you. If you want to take the course, you've got half off 50% off. You can get it for $75. If you email me at rain at six And if you just want to learn more from the Storytelling Lab, subscribe, rate it, review it, and share it with someone else that you know would benefit from it. But more importantly, share your story with them too. Peace and love, everybody. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow. And that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.